You're listening to The Mystic Show, episode 134. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran. And yes, we let the music at the beginning play up for a little bit to get us all a little bit relaxed. You know, sometimes we'll turn on a podcast show and our brain is still going a thousand miles an hour. We just need to ah, take a breath. So I'm happy you're able to join me. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation and really all different aspects of our spiritual journey and it's a different journey for each of us the purpose of the show is for you and I to have this discussion you know I experienced in my life that talking about these important topics um, doesn't happen very often you know we're, we're quite happy to talk about the news and all that nonsense but to get real and talk about our higher nature or talk about personal development or spiritual development, yeah, it doesn't happen very often. So that's why this show is here, and you and I can benefit from this uh, to be inspired to practice our spirituality, practice meditation, and really grow as human beings. We release new episodes every Friday morning, and you can hear the show as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and on TuneIn as well. And of course, on our website, you know, this is episode 134. There's so many episodes on the website. They're all there, all 134. And our website is themysticshow.net, themysticshow.net. And you can also sign up for our email list, which is behind-the-scenes emails. That's right. I send out secret information every week. All right. Maybe it's not secret, but it's behind the scenes for sure. Little tidbits that don't make it onto the air. And of course, our sponsor, Pause Your Life. You ever feel like you need to hit the pause button and just have the whole world freeze except you? <laughs> then you can take a nap and relax <laughs> while everyone else is frozen in place. Well, that's what Pause Your Life does. Uh, meetups and retreats for those people who, for you <laughs> and I, who want to just hit the pause button for a while and get some balance back. You know, it's really easy to feel off kilter and, you know, life is so relentless. It just keeps every moment there's something, there's something, there's something. Um, so pause your life. And I'm happy this episode we're going to talk about a handout, which is a little reading that we did at our last Pause Your Life meetup here in northern New Jersey. And uh, by the way, I will have some more information about Pause Your Life soon because we're planning on expanding Pause Your Life. But anyway, this was a meetup we had and we and, and for each meetup we choose a little, a short reading and then we read it together and discuss it. Really all it is is something to just spark 
some conversation. Um, and it, it's interesting because we read this one that we're going to read right now on the show, and then everybody started talking, and like almost immediately it went off topic, and the whole meetup was just talking about other things. We talked about valuable things for sure, but really focusing on this material, we didn't really do that. So I was inspired by this reading. I wanted to to read it with you guys and then also talk about it. It's basically about assumptions and expectations. And you'll see, but I, I really believe that your assumptions and your expectations create your experience. And... You know, I just had a conversation with someone here in the studio the other day about the things we experience, and it was kind of based around the victim mentality, you know, of which is so rampant in today's world that everyone's a victim. Everyone is a perfect saint. They don't do anything wrong, yet everyone else condemns them and, and all this stuff. It's, it, it all starts from you. And that was my whole point in this conversation about the victim mentality. It starts with you. If you're a good person, if you develop a good character with real virtue, you're not going to have any problem. (laughs) But if you break the law and do the wrong thing and yell and scream and hit people, you're going to have big problems. I mean, literally, it's that simple. Um... So hopefully we're ready to understand that. So assumptions and expectations are very subtle aspects of yourself. And again, the mystic show, you and I are mystics in training, and we're really learning about the subtle world of spirituality, you know, not the superficial world of the world of, of the world, like how to make more money, you know, the the best new car that you can buy or, you know, what's the best smartphone you can buy, all this stuff. Those are all worldly things and they're fine and they're good. And we all need them and we all have them. But spirituality goes deeper and more subtle where we start to think about things like, well, our spirit and also our thinking and our assumptions and our expectations and our habits Um, so, you know, there's a lot of spiritual practices out there and hopefully they're helping people to look at these subtle aspects of our lives and to grow individually, you know, take more individual responsibility because ultimately that's what it comes down to. If you take responsibility for yourself and just do a good spiritual practice sincerely with your heart. You'll be fine. So real quick, I almost forgot. I wanted to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a little platform. It's a website where listeners can pledge a dollar or two or three uh, per episode of The Mystic Show. So we have a handful of of you who are giving a, a dollar or two per episode of The Mystic Show. And, and we thank you so much because it really helps us Uh, produce the show. And I also want to thank Satya for his comment from last week's episode when we were talking about um, the contemplative life and the active life. And I made the comparison to 
Raja Yoga and Karma Yoga, and he actually disagreed with me. So check that out. Um, it was episode 133. Check out his comment. I haven't responded to his comment yet because I, I, don't, I don't know the words to say it, and I want to think about it a little more. But, but I actually do, in a way, disagree with his comment, which disagreed with me. But um, it did spark some conversation, so that's always good, right? And I want to thank Franny Rose as well. She was my guest um, many weeks ago, maybe almost two months now, when I interviewed her in Colorado Springs in person. Um, she sent me a nice email because we covered... We were talking about the cloud of unknowing, and she really liked that. So hi, Franny, and thanks again for being our guest. So we're going to read this little excerpt here, and then we're going to discuss it. It's from The Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard. And I'm sure it's, it's just an excerpt, and I think it's a book that was, it's from a book that was originally published in 1952, if I'm not mistaken. And I might be mistaken, um, but this is really great. So as we normally do, I'll read through the whole thing and then I'll just play a little music for like a minute where we can just contemplate and take a little break. And then, then, then we'll just discuss some of the points because I have, I have a lot of points here that, that I want to talk about. Um, and I hope you can respond to my points and, and, Give me your feedback on it. You know, you can always comment on the website. So let's get started. The Power of Awareness. It's an excerpt from The Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard. Attitude. Experiments recently conducted by Merle Lawrence, Princeton, and Adelbert Ames, Dartmouth, in the latter psychology laboratory at Hanover, New Hampshire, Prove that what you see when you look at something depends not so much on what is there as on the assumption you make when you look. Since what we believe to be the real physical world is actually only an assumptive world, it is not surprising that these experiments prove that what appears to be solid reality is actually the result of expectations or assumptions. Your assumptions determine not only what you see, but also what you do, for they govern all your conscious and subconscious movements toward the fulfillment of themselves. Over a century ago, this truth was stated by Emerson as follows. As the world was plastic and fluid in the hands of God, so it is ever to so much of his attributes as we bring to it. To ignorance and sin, it is flint. They adapt themselves to it as they may, but in proportion as a man has anything in him divine, the firmament flows before him and takes his signet and form. Your assumption is the hand of God molding the firmament into the image of that which you assume. The assumption of the wish fulfilled is the high tide which lifts you easily off the bar of the senses where you have so long lain stranded. 
It lifts the mind into prophecy in the full right sense of the word. And if you have that controlled imagination and absorbed attention, which it is possible to attain, you may be sure that all your assumption implies will come to pass. From the Romans 14.14 What seems to be is. To those to whom it seems to be, he was only repeating the eternal truth. There is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Attitude Because there is nothing unclean of itself, or clean of itself, you should assume the best and think only of that which is lovely and of good report. It is not superior insight, but ignorance of this law of assumption, if you read into the greatness of men some littleness which you may be familiar, or into some situation or circumstance an unfavorable conviction. Your particular relationship to another influences your assumption with respect to that other and makes you see in him that which you do see. If you can change your opinion of another, then what you now believe of him cannot be absolutely true, but is only relatively true. The following is an actual case history illustrating how the law of assumption works. One day, a costume designer described to me her difficulties in working with a prominent theatrical producer. She was convinced that he unjustly criticized and rejected her best work, and that often he was deliberately rude and unfair to her. Upon hearing her story, I explained that if she found the other rude and unfair, it was a sure sign that she herself was wanting, and that it was not the producer, but herself that was in need of a new attitude. I told her that the power of this law of assumption and its practical application could be discovered only through experience, and that only by assuming that the situation was already what she wanted it to be, could she prove that she could bring about the change desired. Her employer was merely bearing witness, telling her by his behavior what her concept of him was. I suggested that it was quite probable that she was carrying on conversations with him in her mind, which were filled with criticism and recriminations. There was no doubt but that she was mentally arguing with the producer. For others only echo that which we whisper to them in secret. I asked her if it was not true that she talked to him mentally, and, if so, what those conversations were like. She confessed that every morning on her way to the theater, she told him just what she thought of him in a way she would never have dared address him in person. The intensity and force of her mental arguments with him automatically established his behavior toward her. She began to realize that all of us carry on mental conversations, 
But unfortunately, on most occasions, these conversations are argumentative. That we have only to observe the passerby on the street to prove this assertion. That so many people are mentally engrossed in conversation and few appear to be happy about it. But the very intensity of their feeling must lead them quickly to the unpleasant incident they themselves have mentally created and therefore must now encounter. When she realized what she had been doing, she agreed to change her attitude and to live this law faithfully by assuming that her job was highly satisfactory and her relationship with the producer was a very happy one. To do this, she agreed that before going to sleep at night, on her way to work, and at other intervals during the day, she would imagine that he had congratulated her on her fine designs, and that she, in turn, had thanked him for his praise and kindness. To her great delight, she soon discovered for herself that her own attitude was the cause of all that befell her. The behavior of her employer miraculously reversed itself. His attitude, echoing, as it had always done, that which she had assumed, now reflected her changed concept of him. What she did was by the power of her imagination. Her persistent assumption influenced his behavior and determined his attitude toward her. With the passport of desire on the wings of a controlled imagination, she traveled into the future of her own predetermined experience. Thus we see it is not facts, but that which we create in our imagination which shapes our lives. For most of the conflicts of the day are due to the want of a little imagination to cast the beam out of our own eye. It is the exact and literal-minded who live in a fictitious world. As this designer, by her controlled imagination, started the subtle change in her employer's mind, so can we, by the control of our own imagination and wisely directed feeling, solve our problems. By the intensity of her imagination and feeling, the designer cast a kind of enchantment on her producer's mind and caused him to think that his generous praise originated with him. Often, our most elaborate and original thoughts are determined by another. We'll just take a quick break to ponder that. Okay, welcome back to The Mystic Show. And again, if you'd like to consider supporting The Mystic Show, 
You can share any of our episodes on your social media or share it with your friends or just tell somebody about the show. You can also give the show a rating and a review in iTunes or on Stitcher. And again, the Patreon page where you can contribute a dollar or two, you can link to that from our website, themysticshow.net. Themysticshow.net. So this reading was, I mean, profound. I, I have several things I wanted to talk about, but, you know, you and I are mystics in training. And I think our job, in a way, or one of our jobs, is to see beyond the superficial aspects of life and gain a higher understanding, a higher wisdom. So we need, we look deeper into things, right? We don't just look on the surface and that's it, we're done, right? So um, what this reading told me, in a way, was that you and I have the tools to avoid so many problems in life. You know, we have the tools to influence those around us, you know, not in a manipulative way, but by utilizing our own mind power properly. So our mind is the greatest tool we have. I mean, your mind is the only thing creating your future. And it's the only tool you have to create your future because your body by itself does nothing and your spirit by itself does nothing. So the mind is like in between the two and that's the active component of you as a human being. And this reading really, I think, does a good job of sort of shining a light on a really good way that we can use our mind. My, my first general impression from this reading was this, this idea of, you know, um, having arguments with people in our mind. I mean, I think we all must do this or at least have conversations with people, but I think it's usually based around arguments um, where you'll, in your own mind, you'll have this whole argument and you'll say, well, if he says this, I'll say this. And I need to tell him this, but he's probably going to say this, and then I'll come back with this. And he's probably going to get angry and yell and whatever, you know. There's a whole mental game that happens, and that mental activity actually conditions um, the actions of that other person. I mean, the story that the author illustrated is perfect, right? As soon as the woman changed her her thinking and her conversations in her mind about her boss, everything got better. So, um, real quick, and from the Emerson quote, he said, uh, if you have a controlled imagination and absorbed attention, which it is possible to attain, you may be sure that all your assumption implies will come to pass. So he says, if we have a controlled imagination and absorbed attention. And what better way to gain those two things or to strengthen those two things but meditation, right? That's why meditation is so important on a spiritual path. If we don't sort of mold our, our thinking and our mental activity and our subtle power, if we, if we just don't even pay attention to that, 
we can't really get that far on the spiritual path. That's why we meditate, because you become more subtly aware of what's going on in your mind and sometimes in your body. Um, And then we can sort of make changes on that subtle level as the woman made in, in this story here. And I think one of the best lines I like, um, there was no doubt, but that she was mentally arguing with the producer for others only echo that, which we whisper to them in secret. I, that, it's a very deep line there for me. Others only echo that which we whisper to them in secret. So it's partially your mental activity and your assumption about the other person. Um, in a way, this applies to prayer as well. I mean, what is prayer besides, uh, in, a, in a subtle way, asking for some help or even not physically, not, you know, mentally asking, but just feeling that you need help, um, or some, or someone else needs help. Right. Um, so that, that's a subtle communication. That's, that's like whispering to them in secret. So it's very, very powerful stuff. And so the woman in the story, what did she do? She agreed that before going to sleep at night on her way to work and at other interval intervals during the day, she would imagine that she had congratulated her that he had congratulated her on her fine designs and that she in turn had thanked him for his praise and kindness. So first we can become aware of this mental game that we're playing. That's, that's one thing we can do. The other thing is we can change it, you know, start having a different conversation in your head. Even if at first it seems silly or, or whatever. Oh, here's a great line. The behavior of her employer miraculously reversed itself. <laughs> right? I mean, when you change yourself, the world changes. That's why in modern modern day earth, it's very almost unfortunate and sometimes annoying that almost every, everyone has this victim mentality. That, oh, poor me, poor me, everyone's hurting me, everyone's doing this to me, they're ruining my life, they're causing all these problems. It's like the victim mentality is like the worst mentality you can have because you're giving away all your power. Now, I know some some people, some individuals, some groups, some races, whatever, it they've been programmed for so many years, or I should say we've been programmed for so many years to, to think a certain way, to behave a certain way. Well, I got to tell you, there's no other way to break out of it than to break out of it. And it starts on the subtle level of thinking. So this is another quote from the reading here. Thus we see it is not facts, but that which we create in our imagination, which shapes our lives. And it's, you know, if you're not quite believing this, um, I'm sure on some level you, you understand it because it feels true, right? It rings true. But you could try it or you can just at least hear it and accept it and see what the future unfolds for you. 
and again, without a spiritual practice, without a meditation practice, these concepts are hard to put into practice because intellectually you may understand what the author said here and you may understand some of what I've said, but that's not what's that understanding what I said and what the author said is not going to benefit you. What is going to benefit you is putting some of these things into practice for yourself. So I'm sure you can come up with a, with an example in your life or a situation in your life where you can actually apply this. Maybe take somebody who's not treating you very well or you're having trouble with and start to, you know, imagine and, and use your mental activity to, uh, to have good conversations with them in your, in your own head, you know, just like the story we read. So I think this is like, I don't know, it's almost, it's almost like a prerequisite for spiritual practice is we have to understand these things and start doing something about it. Because if we don't, if you never change your mental activity and, and the quality of your mental activity and the volume of your mental activity, you're not really changing anything. So, and that's the beauty of the spiritual adventure is that each of us is figuring this out. So I want to tell you that wherever you are right now on your path is good. Whatever you know is good. Whatever you don't know, that's fine. Just keep going and and keep thinking about these concepts. And maybe try something. Try something in your life. I mean, think about the saints and the sages of the past. I mean, think of how they must have used these techniques, right? So, again, thank you for listening, and thank you to Neville Goddard for this little piece. I'm going to have to read his whole book now. Um, so as you move through the rest of your day and your weekend and your week, keep shining. Keep shining.